Stick with this flame, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand. Stunt me a destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam. Put some respect on my name. Sick like a rain, click and I bang. Y'all gon' remember the name. Y'all gon' remember the name. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. On today's episode, we have got on an awesome man. He does a lot of things. He is a musician. You may know him from Backwards. He is also also the founder and owner of the Ripperverse comic book series. He is a social, political, cultural commentator, YouTuber. He is not me, for all the people who are confused. <laughs> you know, pe- people, people mix us up all the time, but this is my, oh, uh, my, my long-lost brother from another mother, Eric July. Welcome to the show. Man, what's up? It's good to be back, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, you're dead on, man. We get mixed up all all the time. I'm like, I'm not him. I'm not him. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, you know, I, I can see the confusion. You know what I mean? Like, you know, black guy, beard, flat peak hat, you know, yeah. libertarian, yeah, sensible, you know, like basically same person. Yeah, yeah true, true. That's very true. <laughs> Awesome, man. Eric, bro, for people who um, are not familiar with who you are and what you do, tell them a little bit about yourself, bro. Yeah, uh, to your point, I've been doing this, being in the commentary space for a long time. Um, really, music was my biggest thing. Um, you know, with Backwards, I was in another band previously as well that saw a lot of success. And then we got, you know, to the point to where we're at now. And that is, I do whatever I want to on any given morning where I can just say, you know what, I feel like doing a video on this, or I want to start my own comic book company, or I want to do that. And I've kind of had that freedom, I've been afforded that freedom to be able to do that, thanks to uh, the supporters and all. So obviously comic book stuff is what we're really knocking it out the park with right now with Ripperverse. Um, And ISOM number two just launched. We had a successful almost $4 million campaign, pre-order campaign for ISOM one. A lot of returning customers, which means a lot of people are thoroughly enjoying what it is that we do. So you know, that's what it's about. That's just, that's exactly what it's about for me. So um, I'm just glad to be in this position, blessed to be in this position. But it is very liberating to be able to wake up and decide whatever I want to do is what I get. To. And um, not a lot of people get to say that they can do that. That's dope, man. Tell, tell us more about the journey to getting there, man, because with someone like yourself, honestly, I mean, anyone who reaches a level of success, whether they're a creative entrepreneur or not, people often just you know, people discover you or they see you where you are currently, right? And they make all these assumptions and people like to think, oh, you know, you just sort of magically appeared here one day and dropped a comic book and made millions of dollars and, you know, you, you just showed up yesterday kind of thing. Obviously, this is not the situation. It's not the case for myself, for yourself. It's not the case for pretty much anybody who's been successful independently. So tell right. me a little bit about the journey getting things to this stage. Yeah, so and, and to your point, it's you get a lot of people that are under this ro- wrongful assumption that something like this just happens. You know what I mean? And I have people say this right now. It's like the only reason he's seeing success is because he's successful. And I'm like, <laughs> that makes all the sense in the world, but it doesn't. Uh, but no, on a serious note, like I look. I started my YouTube channel. I was 16 years old, right? Just doing the math. I'm 33 now. So it's a long time uh, for me to be on the platform. It was the year or, the, or after YouTube even started. Because YouTube was, that was 2005, right? And next year, here I come. So 
it was one of those things that I I did a lot of work with. I had been grinding left to right to really try to make something like this happen. And, you know, it, it started with doing the YouTube videos, whether it be in kind of the hip hop scene, which is really what I was doing first and foremost. And, you know, that kind of changed into definitely once I graduated high school into wanting to pursue my love for like more rock based music. So I started to implement that into my stuff. So I was doing like uh, that was doing vocal covers, really. Uh, that was really what what kind of sent my YouTube to the stratosphere was. YouTube, like doing vocal covers, metal covers and stuff. So that turned into one thing, which turned into another. And, you know, that was also you had. 2008, 2012, Ron Paul kind of getting people reignited with uh, with the Liberty. So that wasn't my introduction. Uh, I got to see kind of that and, you know, that enthusiasm around it. So I wanted to speak more. And, you know, that turned into commentary. And what I think I did the, a good job of doing was leveraging each individual audience that I would get that were coming from these different pockets and corners of the Internet um, to be successful in the next thing. So the hip hop stuff to the metal stuff to the com commentary stuff to the comic book thing so you know you can ask any given fan of any different product that i that i provide and they like well they came along because they found me through this so they found me through that and it was it, it, it when you build a rapport with your audience which i think is a, it's not easy to do that because some people come and go it's um you know, trendy type of kind of thing. But I got an audience full of people that rock with me for me. And I think after delivering on so many products, it, it becomes a second nature to them to support your next venture. And that's certainly a blessing to be in that position. But it wasn't anything that happened overnight. And I say even to this day, despite making the millions of dollars, I'm working harder now than I have in my entire life. You know what I mean? It's just what it is. So it's a legitimate grind and it never ends for me. Um, and, you know, it's it's I know people don't like it as they think of it more of a, as a cliche when you talk about hard work. But you know, I'm up early, grind late, back at it again. And I'm doing that every day. And I have been for the better part of my life. And I think that has a lot to do with the results it is that, that we have. Yeah. I mean, so from starting your YouTube channel, this is a 17 year journey to get to where things are right now. I, I think it's important for people to hear that and understand that both of us started our careers in the realms of what we're doing in our teenage years. Mm -hmm. We're both now 30 something. Yep. And so for anyone who is listening or watching this, who is just thinking, oh, you know, I've been doing something for six months or I've been doing something for one year, two years, even five years. And you're not seeing stuff, you know, popping off as quickly as you want to or blowing up or reaching X amount of followers, subscribers, bank account, whatever it is. It is a grind. It's a grind. And I really don't think people people don't get this. Like people people yeah. really do not understand it. And you can see in the way that individuals respond to certain things that they just do not understand the legwork and the blood, sweat and tears of going through it all, right? Whether in, in each in each aspect, right? Making videos for nobody, recording podcasts for nobody, playing to empty venues, mm -hmm. putting mm -hmm. out albums and singles and not, you know, not a lot of people are paying attention or caring or listening, dropping merch and people aren't buying it. You know, people just see the here and the now. So I think it's really important to go back 
on these stories and just help people put it in perspective and gain the understanding of how long it takes to build something like what you've been building. And each step, as you said, each step matters so much towards the next one. You can't take, you can't just kind of jump to the end point, right? Yeah. You have to go through each of the steps and something that I, I, I love that you do, bro, and something that is so important and something I'm seeing that is, it's funny because a lot of people are afraid of this, but this is actually the thing that is making independent content creators so incredibly powerful. And I think people like yourself, you're, you're going to gain so much more, so much more uh, steam in this is simply two things. And this is that you don't lie and you seek the truth. That's it. When I think when I think of the independent content creators blowing up in all these different streams, people who have like true authentic audiences who aren't just yeah. fair weather fans who like you for you, who will support you, whether you drop a book, you make merch, you put out an album, you act in a movie, whatever it is, they're going to support you because they like you. I think yeah. I think of someone like a Joe Rogan, right? Joe Rogan's never written a book. I don't think he's ever like dropped a merch line. He, he could write a book tomorrow and you already know. People are going to buy it. Why? Because they like him. Why? Because yeah. he doesn't lie and he seeks the truth, right? It doesn't mean everyone's going to have the same political views or social right. views or whatever. But right. w what I find with all these creators whom I massively respect and who I see doing well is it's true authenticity. It's just like, look, this is, this is who you are. This is what you stand for. You're not trying to mislead people. You're not trying to, you know, there's so many ways you can make quicker money or like do things quicker by just being disingenuous. You see it all the time. All the people who are attacking you, they're all, I, I see all the time. Like, it's funny that you even reply, but I'm like, these, it, they're always disingenuous. Yeah. Right. Time. Like, that's the difference. It's not even that you, a political disagreement. It's just like, you're not an, you are an honest person. And these people coming at you, I'm like, these are not, these are not honest people. These are not people yeah. who are charitable and who are, you know, it, 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 there's always some type of deception with it. And you see yep. the same thing. Why is mainstream media losing ground? Why are people no longer trusting these giant corporations and politicians? Because they're just lying. They're, people are seeing the deception. And I think that the time is coming where you, you can no longer just keep deceiving people. You know, I think they've been able to get away with this for a long time. But I personally think, you know, and some people will disagree with me because they got the doomer mindset. But I personally think we're in the era of authenticity. I think oh, people yeah. who are just true, who are honest, who stand by their values, who have principles, who are just just keep it real with their audience and with people. I think they're going to inherit the future, man. I, I don't disagree. I, I mean, I say this all the time about, you know, I'm, I'm more white pill as I've ever been because of exactly that we're seeing, you know, everything's been accelerated and you know, because, you know, you came up in the game around the same time that I did. And it's different from the mixtape out the trunk era from even now, right? Because the technology alone has allowed us to get a direct line of sight with an audience that we just simply couldn't, we couldn't do that back in the gap. We can now. And that in itself, I think, has as people get more of that authenticity and they learn to know who it is, they're paying more attention to where their dollar's going. Um, and the folks that are just being real doesn't mean you can't make mistakes, but the people that are being real. So as long as people know you're in it for the right reasons, they know you're being honest with them, you know, they're going to they're going to back you. They're going to support the things it is that you that you do. And this is why I've said to your point. I think the day of the mega corporation in the future, definitely in entertainment, might be over. I mean, we see what's happening in Hollywood. We see what's happening to all these massive brands and how they're hurting. But we it's not like we're seeing a, a, a lack in enthusiasm. It's just 
transferred, right? So you have something like what we are doing right now with comics, which has generated a lot of enthusiasm, which the comic book industry hasn't been able to do by itself in a in a very long time. So that that speaks to that. And yeah, I didn't I didn't pay for a diamond marketing, man. It's just something that it just happened. Yeah, and it's just hey, I put this out, you like it, talk about it, word of mouth as grassroots and and organic as as realistically possible. So I think that that's a reason to be excited for the future. And I do believe in the future because of it, you're going to see a lot of maybe smaller entities that are wildly successful, right? They But they might not be, you know, worth a trillion dollars. It just may, it may be worth more than maybe some millions. And I'm okay with that. I think that uncertainty strikes fear in a lot of people that are so used to the status quo, right? There were always proper channels to do things. There was always a way to do things, to get in this industry. You had to do it this way. And now the rules are like, have been changed overnight and people are like making their own rules really and doing it their own way. And so that means a lot of uncertainty as people get used to, to how that's being done for the folks that were doing it the old way or had been taught that the old way was the only way to get to this position. So it's going to be intriguing going into the future, but I'm excited. I think other people should, should be excited. And we're a testament that if you can just be honest, man, with your audience, they will rock with you. And I've said this before, Look, I'd much rather have a pool of a uh, hundred people that really rock with me than have three hundred people that are fair weather that are gonna come, that are gonna go, they're gonna move to the next trendy, trendy topic or a trendy person, or I only have to do this in order for me to be supported. I don't want to ever be in that position. I want to be able to do whatever it is that I want, and I have to build a rapport with my audience to do that. And uh, those of us that are are reaping the benefits and seeing success as entrepreneurs to seeing success in multiple different uh, uh, like channels. So, you know, that to me is, uh, it, it just goes to show, man, it won't happen overnight by any means, but it goes to show that it it's very doable. And right now we're living in an age where it's far more doable than ever. Like if a Stan Lee came in today, he doesn't even have to work for Marvel. He can do it himself. Like that's, that, that was unheard of back when he was coming up. So, I think there's going to be a lot more of this and people should be, to me, excited for it. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I, I think there's a huge amount of opportunity. Like, I totally understand why people are angry and concerned and worried about all the all the goofiness that's happening in all across the board. Right. Every single industry, all the woke stuff, all the stuff that they're trying to put on children. It doesn't matter. It can be cartoons. It can be comic books. It can be movies. It can be large franchises. It can be retail stores. It can be food products. It can, it can literally be, be everything. But as annoying as that all is, I'm like, yo, that's opportunity. That's all opportunity. And I think that people need to reframe their brain a little. I, I feel the same with, you know, when you've got these, um, I mean, I just saw just before jumping on this, one of my friends just got a, got a strike on YouTube for making a video speaking about some of the evil stuff going on in the world and the fact that it's being censored. And then they said they banned the video and flagged him for this. This is a like one of the most positive people that's out there. And I'm just like, man, this is crazy. I saw Jordan Peterson in the Daily Wire, right? They're getting flagged. Mm -hmm. They're getting demonetized, all this. And I'm like, that is that is concerning. But in the long run, in the long term, all they're doing is just opening huge gaps for competitors. Right? No, no, nobody was talking about Rumble before. Yep, nobody yep, was talking yep. about up. Nobody was talking about Twitter as a video platform before, right? No one was uploading hour, two-hour-long movies and documentaries and podcasts to Twitter. Like that's just starting now. And you know, I spoke to Elon personally about this last week, and he's like, mm -hmm. "Yeah, like 
you know, if people, if you get banned on that thing, like come on Twitter and, you know, we're not going to censor you as long as your content is, is legal, as long as you're not like putting out some, you know, genuinely crazy stuff, then you right. know, post, post it on there. So, you know, it's going to take a while, but I think people forget, Hey, YouTube only has existed. YouTube's not even 20 years old. None of these things are even 20 years old. So kind of crazy 20, to imagine, huh? it is right. So 20 <laughs> years from now, the landscape is not going to be, be the same, right? Some of it's guaranteed. I think it's pretty much guaranteed that in 20 years, some of the biggest platforms and franchises and companies in the world and celebrities in the world are going to be completely irrelevant. And there's going to be, there, there will be some that continue on. There will be ones that are, you know, babies now that are mm -hmm. going to be gigantic. Yep. There's people now who have like, you know, a couple hundred followers who are going to have millions. There's things getting 10,000 views now that are going to be getting 100 million views later. So the opportunity is there. I'm like, yo, guys, this is this is kind of a land grab, right? Like, yeah, sure, it would have been better to start 10 or 15 years ago. But if you have a if you have an ounce of creativity in you, if you have an ounce of entrepreneurship in you, I mean, look, look what happened with uh, I mean, the, the Daily Wire is probably the best at doing this, just responding quickly, right? Some goofy stuff happens with Hershey's. What do they do? Bang. They sell 100,000 chocolate bars yep. in, in a day, right? They didn't even have the chocolate supplier. They just started selling chocolate they didn't even have, right? You know, <laughs> they did it's it with the razors, enough, right? right? Yeah. And I'm just like, yo, Daily Wire doesn't need to be the only people doing this, right? You could be a solo person. You could be a small group. You don't just, I don't know, man. And coming, coming to it, I mean, the reason I'm saying all this is because, you know, like what you're doing in the world of comics is unprecedented and incredible, right? You're, you're, you're actually paving, you're paving a new, a new way and you're showing people it can be done. Um, I was telling you before we even started recording, I'm working on a new book right now. I've done a couple of Kickstarter campaigns in the past for my music and I'm, you know, I've, I've got offers on the table. I've got, Hey, Zuby, we want to, we want to work with you, you know, this publishing company, this literary agent, whatever. And I'm like, okay, like that's an option, but I'm like, man, what about if I just do this like fully independently? Like I got all these followers online, like people like what I'm doing. I've just seen what my friend Eric has done with his comic, right? Like why, I don't know. It's just, it's just opening opportunities in a way yeah. that did not exist before. You wanted to write a book. You wanted to put out an album. You got to go through the proper channels. You got to sign that deal. You got to sign your life away. You got to get your 10% royalty, you know, if you even recoup whatever. So I just want I just want people to know, man, like if you're listening to this and you're even slightly entrepreneurial, you're creative, you got an idea, man, I think the next the next couple decades are going to be are going to be wild um, and there's going to be some greatness that comes out of it. Yeah, it's, it's going to be very telling. I mean, it's um, you know, if you have a great idea, I mean, it's also the connectivity is very cool because even connecting with other people that I would have never thought that I would have been able to connect with. It's just so possible. Like you could have asked me yesterday, like, um, or more so let's say you look at me at 18 and you a little guy, athlete loves comics, all that stuff, whatever. And you're like, yeah, man, one, there's going to be a point in time that the guy's book you read, Chuck Dixon, you're going to be working with him. Yeah. Okay. And now mm -hmm. here we are, right? We got Chuck Dixon on AlphaCore, one of the most prolific writers of our generation, is now doing AlphaCore one for us, and the Saska sisters are doing Yaira and all this stuff like that. I'm like, what? What is going on? Even me now, I'm like, what? In the, what am I doing? Like this? This is like <laughs> this wasn't supposed to be this way, but I'm in the position now to do it, and it's awesome because 
you know, I think the part that even, you know, you look at our detractors, like that they don't seem to understand. Well, it goes to show that they are dishonest and they don't really care about the industry in itself. But it's funny because Chuck posted a, uh, he posted a tweet the other day about this and someone asked him about getting paid and all this. He was like, yeah, man, Eric, as soon as I turned into work, he, I got paid. And, you know, there's this thing going on with comics and people not having to wait, I mean, months before they actually get paid for a completed commission, right? So that's the part that uh, of the things that I think people don't see. They just see the money and they don't see, like, we get to correct a lot of things that ail this this uh this industry that plague this industry so whether it be for my contractors my employees i get to pay people very well to work in comics that's what the bottom line is i pay people well to work in comics and and, and i saw things that were problems because we're our own distributor as well we're our own distributor so i saw things that were an issue and i said you know what I doesn't this doesn't make sense. Why is Marvel a multi-billion dollar company? Why don't they distribute their own comics? That doesn't even make sense. Why are they why are they going through someone else to do it? And I just didn't understand it. I didn't and I didn't like it. I was like, well, I can build something more personable. I can I can have I can create a unique experience, checkout experience with my users as well as identifying individual problems and correcting them, pivoting on them because I don't have a middleman to worry about. So I said, well, you know, we're basically two companies in one. We're a creative company in the sense of the, the properties there, but we're also a distribution, a distribution company. So all of those issues that come with both, both sides, we're able to correct. We're able to correct. All issues that come on both sides of that, we're able to get resolved. And I'm blessed. And, I'm, and I'm, again, I'm thankful to be in a position. But it's just something that a lot of these guys just will never understand because they don't see that part of it. Um, and that just goes to show, I don't think those guys actually care about it, but to the point about the entrepreneurial aspect of it, that's the, that's the fun thing about it. It's all problem solving, right? It's like, okay, there, this, this thing I like to do, this industry I'm part of this industry I want to be in, but as I'm getting in it, I'm seeing there's things that I don't like, or I can't make sense of. I don't know how you are. That's how I am with everything I do. I'm a little hard headed. I'm a little stubborn. So I see some people, everybody doing things and I ask. You know, I'm like, why is why is everybody going through Diamond to distribute there? And nobody really knows why. It's just like this is what the industry standard is. I'm like, okay, well, let's just not do that because I can't. You can't even explain to me why everybody's doing it, and it doesn't really have any benefit. It's just going through the motions, so I'm not going to do it. So he didn't, and that's how I treat business in general. It's like, okay, what is the industry standard? What is everybody doing? Can I make that make sense? Yes or no? If I can't make it make sense. I just won't do it. And that's the cool problem solving element about everything it is that we do. That uh, it's just a blast. It's just really fun. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons for, you know, for the criticisms and for the detractors. A lot of it is certainly driven by jealousy and envy. Another thing I've, I've noticed about human beings, though, which is which might sound kind of funny to people, given people know where I stand on, you know, social, cultural, political stuff. But I, I think that Almost everybody is conservative in a sense. When I say that, I don't mean in the in the hard political way. What I mean is in the, the sort of proper, just surface level definition of people don't really like change, right? right? Just like, you know, most most people are not comfortable moving to a new city or moving to a new country or trying a food they've never tasted before. Like people are pretty actually conservative in the way that they think. And when you do something that 
goes against the grain, if there's a way a legacy system or company or operation works and it's got massive inefficiencies or problems or whatever, and you're the person who comes in and just says, wait, why, like you said, why, why is it being done this way? Like, what is, what is the purpose of this? Why is it not done this way? And people are like, oh, well, it's just, it's just the way we do things, right? It's, it's almost like tradition, right? And traditions yep, yep, yep. have a purpose. Um, but I think when it comes to these giant companies, some of these things have existed. Some of these entities have existed for decades, if not centuries, in some cases. Yeah. And they started in a time where things were very different. I mean, you see an obvious example. If you look at record labels, right? Record labels, I don't know when the first one started, probably, you know, at least a century ago. But they started out with, you know, shipping vinyl records, right? And, you know, recording a certain way and doing things a certain way. And then as time has gone on and things moved into digital downloading and then streaming and whatever with so many of these record labels, I mean, you've got situations where artists are getting signed and the albums are not even coming out on CD or vinyl and they're still, you know, deducting a percentage for breakages for those mm -hmm. listening breakages is when, you know, you used to ship out records you used to ship out uh, CDs around, around the nation or around the world. And you estimate a certain percentage of them are going to break. And so you have to like deduct that. So they're, they're still applying breakages to digital only deals, right? Because they're so stuck in just like, this is, this is how it works. This is what the percentages are. Why, why should a record deal or a publishing deal be a eight to 12% royalty? Right. Why? Right. I mean, you, you could argue that that never made sense, but I mean, in the here and now I'm like, why would you, why should you get 10%? You wrote a book, you made an album, you created, like, why should the person who made it get a 10% cut? And it's just yeah. like, oh, that's, that's, that's just how it is. Like, that's how it's always been. I'm like, well, <laughs> so <laughs> like, exactly. like, does, does, does that make sense? Like, does that sound, does that sound fair? Like who made the thing? How much effort are, what are you doing to earn 90% of what is happening? But it's like, people don't challenge these things. And when, and when someone comes along and, and does it, I find that, you know, People don't really like it. If you see what's happening with, um, uh, you know, random example, Tuck, Tucker Carlson now doing his show on, on Twitter, right? You've seen the backlash about that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, why are, why are you mad that a political pundit is using Twitter instead of the TV to reach people? Like, why is that, why is that a problem? Like, right. why, why shouldn't he be doing that? You know what I mean? But people don't like it. I'm sure there's people in the proper and you know in the in the old school legacy news media who are very very angry at this because he's not doing it the proper way he's literally not going through the right channels and it's like well why should he he's got his audience millions of people want to hear what he's got to say so just do it so yeah i, I find that that quite interesting yeah no i'm right there with you it's just so many people are that it's the it is the proper channels it's the it's the certainty that comes with or the familiarity that comes with the status quo that so many people are attracted to. And it's like, even if it doesn't make sense, they feel some level of comfort because the level of uncertainty isn't, isn't there as much as someone getting out there, giving it a shot and trying to do something that is against the grain or a little different from, from before. And, and that's the difficult thing about all of this. You know, it's like, People are going to say or feel some kind of way just because you went against uh, you did it in an alternative way. So technically, it's not even against anything. It's just like you're not doing it their way. So that in itself, they find a threat. And I think for some people, it is more saving their own bacon. It's job protection. It's like 
well, if people get wind of this, especially other upcoming creatives, well, we're not going to be as legitimate as before. I think that's what what happened with Leg Legacy Media. And we saw that especially during uh, 2020 uh, with, with the rise of, of COVID and all that, where they were so angry and taking it out on people posting things on like YouTube and social media because it didn't come from them. So they felt like, well, that's not how it should be. All of the factual information, and I'm using that loosely, using that in quotes, is the information that comes from them. It's not whether it's not as right or wrong. It's more of it came from us so you can trust us. And now there's these competitors that are uh, doing all of this stuff and, 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 and they're getting seen. And in a lot of cases, higher numbers than what they're getting uh, that are watching their show. You know, there's all this alternative media and all that. And that, that aggravates them because two things, I think it is the lack of control there. But I think it's also the uncertainty. The uncertainty is like, well, what happens if this catches on? What if this is the uh, new new way that people are more attracted to? Well, we're not going to be seen as legitimate anymore. Yeah, you're not. You know, and and instead of adjusting, a lot of guys, legacy guys look at it like, well, we should keep doing what it is that we're doing. And we're going to keep doing what it is that we're doing because, well, why why not? We're the right guys. And it's like, yeah, man, you could adjust. Instead of getting mad at me for creating my own comic book company and using my own platform to to do the pre-orders, you could adjust and, and maybe learn from it because that's how I am. I, I, Envy is not something that I'm, I'm, I've ever like it's not baked into my DNA because I'm I'm always I'm a constant learner. Right. Hard headed in the sense that I won't do something that I, that doesn't make sense. But I'm a constant learner. So when I see someone that does something that does make sense, I'll ask questions. Hey, how you do that? Remember, even when I was building my site, I don't know if you remember, I reached out to you. Yeah, uh, I, I, I was remember. like, yeah, I, I was like, yeah, let me like because I, I saw what you were doing. I was like, man, this site, this site looks clean. It looks slick. Like what? Uh, let me get some tips because that's the way I see things. I don't look at it like, well, this person is <laughs> more popular than me or this person. Uh, who cares? I'm like. Can you that's that's useful information you made it work for you and maybe I'm, it's not to say that it's a direct transfer but maybe there's things that i could take from what it is that a successful person did and make it unique to my experience and make it unique to the experience that i want to give my customers that's the way that i look at it but a lot of legacy cats don't they look at it like anybody providing anything different is a threat and uh, that's why they get so aggressive when a Tucker Carlson or something just says, yeah, I just post it on Twitter. You know what I mean? Like, why Why not? Who says I have to be on legacy media anymore? Like, I'm getting the same viewership. People that like me are going to come see me. Why don't why just not just post it myself here with, with lesser uh, restraints? That aggravates them. And that's what a lot of people need to be prepared for. If you do do things the alternative way and you mm – -hmm. the alternative way and you, like, see success – there's going to be a lot of ankle biters that come out of nowhere that are just angry. And you're going to be like, what, what, why? I think a lot of fans of the Riververse uh, came by, about because of that. It wasn't like a lot of these guys didn't know who the, who I was. They were like, who in the, these guys are all talking about it. You think I'm slapping, I'm slapping people's mamas. I'm slapping people's babies. I'm cussing. I'm doing all kinds of just, just foul stuff. You would think the way they talk about me, but what happens is it's discovery. It's engagement. So, they're like, who in it? I gotta look into this guy because this is insane. And then they find out I'm just a guy. This is the Zuby. This is the least mild thing that I've probably ever done. C creating a comic book company. Most mild. I, yeah, like for <laughs> sure. Like it, it's between like all my political takes and everything. The thing that got me into most trouble 
It's me starting a comic book company. That was what did it for them. And it goes to show that because they can't control it, because we're doing the whole thing, that aggravates the living crap out of them. And, you know, I, I get it because think of it from their perspective. They've controlled this market for so long or different in, in entertainment industries for so long. And then you have a guy that just came out of nowhere and said, yeah, I'm here. And there's nothing you can do to him to stop him. You can't say, all right, well, I just make sure his 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 distributor doesn't work to him. I'll try to do this cancellation stuff. Well, we're all on distributor. You can't do that. You know what I mean? So it, all your efforts are going to be futile. And that's what happened with ice home too, right? It's like, oh, it's just a one hit wonder. All this happened. And here we are closing in on a million dollars. Nope. as yep. we, we do this right now. <laughs> just sorry, man. It didn't work. It didn't work. Do you know the funniest part of all of it to me is these are the same people who are, we need more black creators. Yep. We need more diversity. <laughs> yep. Yep. I go out the window that, real we, quick, we, huh? <laughs> real, real fast. All of a sudden, oh, all these, yeah, man, we need more black creators. We need more black characters, they said as well. They said, and here we are. Black guy creates a black character that so many people embrace, and he's the most hated person in comic books, man. Like, what in the world is going on? So, yeah, and, and all that stuff. And like I, I said this day, like doing I some one, I was like, man, I'd have been called racist names that I even know exist by these people. You know what I mean? Just because I started a comic book. I'm like, what? I got to Google some of this stuff. I'm like, what is this? Like, they, these people are ugly and nasty. They, went, they threw all that. Kumbaya, uh, pro black, all that stuff, fist and her, that stuff went out of the window, bro. Like, Riververse came about, and man, these guys put on the Klansman hat, bro, and, and went after me. I'm like, oh, wow. This is what did it. It wasn't a political takes. That didn't do it. The political takes wasn't what did it. It was a comic book company. Like, wow. That's, a, that's, that's incredible, man. It's incredible. I, I, I just find the whole thing so funny. The complete lack of self awareness for the, all, all of these people have. Like, it's, it, it's incredible. And the thing that even makes it on top of that makes it funnier is you are someone who does have strong and specific political views and values, yep. but it's not even in the comic. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. Like that has nothing. In fact, that's been, that's a rule. That's a rule. That's a part of our ethics. I'm not going to beat you in over the head. I'm going to, I'm just here to respect the customers. I'm just here to create a comic book. My political stuff got left at the door, man. There were people that were begging me to do that. I said, no, same thing. Everybody else, leave your leave that stuff at the, at the door. Let's just make good content. So the least political thing that I've ever done is this right here, right? It, it, it's not like backwards. It's not like any of that stuff. It is the least political thing that I've done, and they hate me more than what they did when I was making actual political content, which is incredible, but... Again, I think that just shows that we're on to something, right? It's like, why are they so aggravated? It's like, this is what they were afraid of the whole time. It, it, they were afraid of people doing something that's parallel to them that they can't control and has kind of a mind of its own. So they, they've, the best that they could do is galvanize our troops, but they can't stop us. They can't stop this movement or anything like all the, the, the defamation and the slanderous statements that these guys have attempted to make it's been ineffective so with us being able to to keep grinding and and, and continue to create and to continue to be great they can't stop us and that's what they were afraid of so i, I think you know i rag on for example a lot of like the american conservatives because when it comes to entertainment a lot of them have have neglected it 
as a um, as a means of, of of cultural change because they felt that oh it's not important. We'll get them and, at the ballot box. Right. Yeah. That, that's the only thing that matters, right, to them. Even Breitbart at least understood this. Andrew Breitbart knew that hey, politics are on the downstream of culture, not the opposite way. So this is is more impactful than people give it credit for. But this is it shows that this is what they were truly scared of. You know, that's how we we can rag on or be mad at the authoritarian left uh, in the West in particular. But they rose to power not by simple politics. It was more of they got control of the youth and the youngsters through other ways that was outside of that. And so they're just breeding. So they got control of the institutions. They got control of of the entertainment uh, and you know what else you might not like Beyonce, but your your kids do, or or something of that nature. Or you know you might not like this. You might think this this animation is stupid. This music genre is dumb. But there's a whole generation of people that are being raised on that. That are getting bad information, unfortunately, for people that are out of their wit. And in order to combat that, it's you don't neglect it. You 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 participate and be better at it. And that's the way that I see it. So. You know, this is my way to do that, much like my music was my uh, is still my way uh, of doing that. So I think this is why the tide does often feel like it's changing is because finally people are getting that. And a lot of people that aren't leftists are getting it. You mentioned building platforms, rumbles of the world, the odysseys of the world. These are becoming actual competitors in the in the video space. Sure, they might not have a user base of YouTube, but YouTube, like to your point, 20 years ago, didn't have the uh, uh, base that it has now. So. You know, we're no. just we're at the beginning stages. And to me, that's fun. That uncertainty mm. scares a lot of people. For me, I'm I'm enthusiastic. I've said even if on the other side of this, if things change, the economics start to change and I didn't have a spot, I'd still welcome welcome it. I still welcome it. You know what I mean? I think, of course, we're going to be here. But even if I didn't, because it's a necessary change. Right. And um, just from an economic perspective, I think the decentralization of all of this can only benefit us. And, and, and I'm glad to be a part of it. But even if I weren't, it'd still be something that I would push for. Our podcast today is sponsored by The Wellness Company. Did you know that nearly 90% of pharmaceuticals in the U.S. are produced overseas? That's an alarming statistic. If you don't have an emergency kit on hand, it's time to get prepared. The Wellness Company's medical emergency kit contains eight potentially life-saving medications that every single American should keep in stock. It comes with a 22-page instruction guide on safe medical use for everything from snake bites to COVID to bioterror events. Another stellar product from the wellness company is Spike Support. Whether you got vaxxed or not, the virus is still among us in some capacity, as well as the related spike protein. Spike protein can cause brain fog, tissue damage, blood clots, and more. Spike Support is a detoxification powerhouse that aims to strengthen the body's natural immunity and flush out spike protein, so you can get back to that pre-COVID feeling. Get both of these products by going to twc.health forward slash Zuby and get 15% off with the discount code Zuby. That's twc.health forward slash Zuby and use discount code Zuby to get 15% off. Disclosure, the medical emergency kit is only available to U.S. residents. That's dope, man. That man, so, so many important points made there. On the, on the concept of politics being downstream of culture, if you want to know how that is so incredibly obvious as well is, if I look at my own country, the U.K., the U.K. has had the, con- the conservatives... The conservative, I don't know if you know this, the conservatives have been in the government in the UK for the past 13 years. <laughs> has has anyone seen the direction that the UK has gone in the past 13 years, which is the exact same direction the US has gone? Yeah. It, 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 that, that's all been under the conservatives. 
right? So it's not, and, and, you know, someone can say, oh, well, they're not conservative enough or whatever, but it's just like, yo, like the society and the culture is doing what the society and the culture is doing, right? It doesn't really matter who you vote for. I mean, the, did the U S become more conservative in the Trump presidency? Like really? No, you could say that the 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 backslide was not as was not as rapid, and some of some of the stuff was you know paused or you know slowed down. But it's still like that's the way the culture is going. So yeah. that's the way the whole thing is going. You know, there, there's a lot you talked about there in terms of the the detractors and the criticism and the outright hatred and so on. And I honestly think that all of it. I I I have spent a lot of time, especially over the past like 15 years, trying to understand why people behave in certain ways. And I think at the core of it is funnily enough, given that it's uh, <laughs> given that it's June right now, I think at the core of it is pride. Mm. I think that's I think that's like the the emotion or sin that is sort of at the top of this. And I would argue that pride slash arrogance actually is responsible for uh, lack of success in people's lives more than lack of effort or laziness. I think people are just prideful. You, you, you brought this up, right? You are not too prideful to learn from other people. You see someone doing something cool or having, achieving something, doing something that you find inspirational, you want to do, and you, you want to learn. There's two different types of people. There's the, you know, someone, someone pulls up in a Lamborghini or in a supercar. You get two types of responses, typically. You get, well, I guess three, right? One, you could just ignore, but typically you get one, you get the type of person who's like, okay, either this guy has a small penis. I don't know how your car is connected to your penis size, by the way, but yeah, oh, you know, this guy's got, he's, he's overcompensating. Oh, he's, you know, he's, yeah. or he's got a big truck. Oh, you know, he's, yeah. he's overcompensating for something or he's, a, he's, he's probably a drug dealer or he's a trust fund kid or he did something illegal. He's a scammer. He's what, right? Just, just based off of the person having a nice expensive car other the other mindset is someone like me sees that i'm like interesting i wonder how that guy afforded that car i wonder what he does i wonder what that guy does like yep. you know I, i'm like i'm like i want to talk to that person hey yo this this guy this guy's got like cool i want what does he do is he is he a stockbroker is he a is he a actor is he a, a real estate guy like i i don't know but i'm like cool i want to i actually want to talk to that person and i want to find out how they did it like that's just an example like a very visual one but you, you get those two types of mentalities. You've got someone who is doing something cool, inspirational, aspirational, difficult. It could be having a great, same thing. Someone posts up a, you know, you can have an, a, natu- an, a, a lifelong drug-free athlete. They post up a photo of their physique. Ah, steroids. Steroids, Oh, he's just got lucky genetics. Oh, he just did. And I'm like, dude. And then you have other people who are like, hey, man, like, what's your, what's your routine? What's your mm-hmm. diet like? How did you do that? Man, you look great. Like, how did you do X? Like, you've got the people who want to learn because they don't have that pride. And then you have the people who are too prideful. And that can come out as all forms of negativity, right? It can just yeah. be, you know, downplaying the person's success, accusing them of things, just hating on them, insulting them, try, trying to find some way that they can frame it to. But, but I think it all comes from pride. All these people who are hating on you, whether they're in the, in the comic book industry or they're just these random, like, nobodies on social media or whatever. I think it all stems from pride, right? You have too much pride to just be able to go, okay, man, like, good job, good job. Like, you know, good job. Like you, 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 you're doing something, you're doing something cool at a minimum. 
like, I'm not going to hate on you and I'll just like, you yeah. know, give you a little clap. Yeah. And at most I might be like, Hey, actually like, Hey, how did, how did you do that? <laughs> right? Like, like yeah. I, I see that. I'm like, yo, how, how I've never seen someone do this before. Yeah. I've never seen someone launch a comic book company, company like independently and sell, sell millions of dollars worth of copies in, in, in weeks, in days. Like I've ne I've never seen anyone ever anywhere do that. You're going to hate on that. Right. Like, like that's crazy to me, especially if you're in the comic book industry. I'm like, yo, yeah. like th th that's even crazier. I'm like, yo, he's, this is the, this is a new model. This is a way you guys could, especially with all your resources and all your whatever, like you could learn something from this and stop burning through your money and burning through your staff and do things better. But they are so prideful that they won't do it. I think it's, I think it all comes down to pride. Yeah, I, the arrogance of it all and no humility as well. It's um to just be able to admit and adjust that, you know, you, you might look at something and you see someone doing some certain way and you have to definitely as an entrepreneur be able to not only just learn, but have enough humility to admit that maybe your way of doing things were either inefficient or weren't as efficient as it possibly could be. Um, only then can you actually correct a mistake or correct something and make something better in the first place. And that's what's lacking, especially in the comic book industry. There's no humility because they are arrogant. They're because they are very prideful and uh, of what it is they do. And rather they're doing this to show folks up as opposed to doing it to for the reasons like I do, where I like I actually care. You think I would have invested three hundred thousand dollars of my own money to to start this company if I just didn't care about it. Like, no, this is something that I, I had a lot of passion in and, you know, anybody that actually gave a crap about this or wanted to create their own thing should be able to look at that. And a lot of people have, but look at that as a means of aspiration and look at that as, okay, how do I pick up some game here? Because there's clearly something that he's tapped into and I want to be there or I, I take half of that, an eighth of that, whatever it might be, there's something that you can take from it. And I, as a, a seeing other businessmen and not just my industry, but other other industries, that's how I look at it. I'm like, okay, they did that. That makes sense, especially logis with logistics stuff because the easy, easier part of the creation. Then you got to get it to the hands of the customers. That's a whole other animal. But, you know, I've learned so much from that and how other businesses do it um, and uh, how the technology is able to make this a more efficient process. And you have to have that about you if you're going to be a successful businessman, especially in the day where everything's decentralized or the means are more affordable than what they were in the past. I think that's the biggest thing. Like we're recording this right now. This can be streamed as well. Like that was impossible. You know, years ago, that was not a thing. People didn't do this. So just on that aspect alone, technology has accelerated and made something like this. I've seen short films get made with like a simple DSLR. You don't need a a $30,000 red camera to do stuff anymore. Like you don't need that, 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 that all the staff, you don't Dude, need pe that anymore. Pe people have, people have shot whole movies and documentaries on iPhones. It's insane. Yeah. That's insane. Right. That's, uh, that was unheard <laughs> of, man. But that's showing that even just on technology alone, it has allowed people to do things and enter. I guess the barrier of entry isn't as high uh, as it is, or the gatekeepers on is where, where they might still be on their little pocket of the industry. They're still, of course, there, but you also don't have to go through that gate. You can either make your own and just go through, go through that and just walk on through. And, and like I said, humility is just something that so many people 
they lack and they lack. So once we get there um, and, and, you know, we're seeing that level of success, I, I've also tried to get to a point and I picked that, this up as well on game with some of the things that you did and like the fitness world where you're like, OK, I picked up this game. I'm going to put it to you here in the book or I'm going I'm to give you this free game or I'm going to give you this game to pick up, and make your life better. That's kind of some stuff that I would love to do with the comic book industry uh, or publishing industry, because there's a lot of stuff that I learned along the way, a lot of stuff that was trial and error as well. And we saw some success on a lot of these things and be able to get that game away and see other people sprout and make be better, better, better versions of themselves. It, it is what this stuff is about. But like I said, that correction has to come from within and you have to have humility to admit, maybe I'm doing this the wrong way. Maybe I can be more efficient. And that's where what to me separates like, okay, decently successful people from wildly successful people because they they have at least enough humility to be able to pivot and not be so stuck up their own stuff to where they're like, I'm not deviating from anything it is that I do. Um, and if you do it differently and you see success, then you're doing it the wrong way. Like that's just not the way to think about it. Mm-hmm. Yep. You cannot learn. You cannot learn if you're too prideful, right? Yep. Like if you already know everything, how can you learn? Like, if you think you're number one, why would you try harder? And yep. uh, so many people are stuck in that mindset. And I think, I think oftentimes they don't realize it. I'm curious to know, man, how did you, when did you first start thinking about ISOM? Obviously you launched it last year, mm-hmm. but when did you first start thinking about, okay, may, maybe even in the greater sense, the Ripperverse itself. Yeah. When did you first know? I know you've been critical um, of what's going on in the comic industry for many years, mm-hmm. but when did you sort of decide in your mind, you know what, I want to start a comic book company? It, it had to be 20, like I made the decision, I remember doing a video that may, maybe people can dig up where I just entertained the idea. And then it got to a point to where I was like, I'm going to really, really look into this. And so that was about, that was 2020 going into 2021, right? And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm committing. There's probably not going to be a better time than now. My competitors suck, you know what I mean? And and I'm in a position, I have the finances to make something like this happen. So I started with the creative stuff. And that was all like foundational. I, had a, I have a series or universe Bible, more accurately putting it. And I built it. I kept building on that universe Bible, building on that universe Bible, I saw when, first when you say a universe Bible, I, I I think I know what you mean, but explain that. Yeah, yeah. So what I did was I don't start with the story. I don't do that. Uh, that's not my writing style. What I did was say, okay, I have aspirations to make an entire universe that's going to be ever expanding. So let's start from building a Bible with entries for almost like an encyclopedia um, for everybody that even if there's, for example, we got Chuck and we got the Saskas. They got the entries that I have on my universe Bible to learn more about the character. So what I did was break down all the characters that I created initially. I saw him being the first one and I broke down his family. I broke down all these different things and they're all live on my on my universe Bible. Some of this stuff isn't even public because we didn't reveal it. A lot of it actually is. But I was building the characters out. I was building the actual worlds out, the physical locations. Right. We got Flores Park, Texas, fictional city. So I built that out. And all the, the 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 attributes, I built it out, and then I started writing. So I had a starting point that that, that was there, and then I started writing. So I built the Bible, um, I got the writing, and then I got to you know, hey, I want to work with some people, and I knew that I needed to surround myself with like veterans, right? So that's how Gabe El Taib, 
these former DC Marvel uh, colorists, Cliff Richards, same thing, done a lot of work with DC, got him a part of a project, and we made magic, right? And, you know, I was building my team as we grew, right? As, as this became more of a reality. And I realized, look, man, there's deficiencies that I have. Concept artists. I need a concept artist. I need someone to help me, to, like, more from the being able to present it professionally to an artist. I need someone help to help me with that stuff. Editor, uh, you know, my team that's here right now in the world, like, this was growing. And I was, I was bringing people on. And this was before we actually launched it. So it was, it became an idea, it was conceptualized going into 2020, 2021, it got really, it got real. And I spent a lot, I spent about what, a year world building alone and writing a story. And then I finally uh, announced it. So there's a lot of logistical stuff as well that I had to deal with that other companies don't because, well, they don't distribute their own stuff, warehousing and all that sort of stuff. It was just, it was a lot of work that I did. And it's actually, yeah, we had issues, still having issues to this day. That that come with with the problems of, of of being successful, if you want to call it that, it happens. And I'm always constantly learning. And like I said, in order to get in this position, it was humility to be able to say, understand where I needed help, or I understand that I can't do everything. I just I, I'm one man, and I'm, I'm well versed in certain things, but I can't do everything. So, uh, bringing people on that knew something more than I did about said subject matter. Did all that. And that's why it saw success It's a combination. It was us being organized and a well oiled machine before you even knew about it. But also it was uh, the timing. You know, look, uh, you, even if you don't know about comic books, you, everybody seems to know that they've gone to crap because they picked up up, uh, up on storylines and all this. Like they're doing this on Superman's son's gay out of nowhere. Like they've done all this weird just just nonsense, right? And people know about it that don't even read comics, which was telling me, like, bro, what if I just I don't even have to have to like dude, that's be literally the antithesis. Me. Yeah. That's yeah, that's exactly. literally that's literally me. Cause I, I, I actually used to read comic books as a as a kid and as a teen. Um and then I mean your your comic, your comic was the first one not only that I bought, but first okay, no, no, I I, I lie, but I've got another friend. My my friend Shaudo also released a, a like he released a, a manga book. So his nice. his and yours were like the first two in years. I, I, I gen, genuinely, of course, you know, being being friends with you guys yeah, is a, yeah. is obviously a factor. But I was like, I'd like to think even if I didn't even if I didn't personally know you, like this is one of the first things that's kind of like genuinely genuinely exciting. And yeah. you know, there's there's something again, that they do with not just in comics, but you're seeing it happening so much in movies and with with Disney and all these shows and whatever is that it's like they, it's not just that they don't listen to the customers. It's that they spite them. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, it's, yeah. it's like it, it's so spiteful. It's like you, you take a character who, you know, you know, people people connect with and love and maybe even grew up with and they they look a certain way and they've got certain things about them. And then you just fundamentally, instead of creating a new character, you just fundamentally change, you, you just make a random character gay. You, you make a random <laughs> character, used to be white, sk fair skinned with, with red hair, you just, you just make them black, yeah. right? You take, you take, yeah. like, that, imagine that's the, that one happens more than anything. Man, I don't know what they got against the it's like, bro. It's that's wild, isn't it? I'm just like, 
imagine you just you just take blood you take black panther or you take you take blade and you just make it like a white a white blue 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 eyed blonde hair you just be like nah man like come yeah. on they're, they're trying to do it with james bond now like bro like yep. I, I don't want james bond to be black i think it would be cool to have like a black a black spy movie or action hero yeah, yeah. and you can just make make like a whole new a whole new world don't start with you know the 20th the 20th one in the series right start with right. number one create right. a whole new character right but they're just like no 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 like we've had this thing going for like 50 years but now we're gonna or they want to make bond i've heard them wanting to make bond a woman woman yeah, like, yeah, for James Bond is not a woman. Bro. No, no, that's true. No, no one wants this. Women yeah, don't want nobody that. Nobody asked for that. Women do not want that. Women don't want female James Bond. Men no. don't want female James Bond. And it's just like they just want to do it to just like annoy people. They're doing it in yeah. video games. They're like, oh, let's just like let's just make this character ugly for no reason. Let's just yeah. like make this. So I, I I don't know. I think they're digging their own graves, man. Oh, that's exactly what's happening. But spite is is for sure what they're doing. Make no mistake, that's the perfect way to put what it is these idiots are doing. It's that they don't like you. Like I don't know if you've heard about what they've done with the Punisher, right? They are oh, no. demoralizing they, the Punisher what? to scroll. Oh my God. So right now, <laughs> where do I start? All right, I'm, I'm gonna give you the short version of basically what recently happened. And I'm not joking. This is the ending of basically of this recent series by Jason Aaron, who is notorious. For the nerds out there, you know I'm right on this. Notorious for just destroying characters is what Jason Aaron does. So he, this is what happened. I'm going to tell you what happened at the end of the series. You know why, obviously Punisher, considering his family got murdered and all, this is why he does what it is that he does. So they resurrected the wife of, of him. She basically comes back, tells him he's a piece of crap, divorces him, Right. And and takes half of his money. Not even joking. Like that. That was the ending of the run. And he and they also had all these different characters within like the Marvel Universe, just oddly telling him how much he's just a piece of crap. Right. And of course, why they did that is it's not it's not simply because. Well, I'll tell you this. They know that Punisher, especially with his symbol, is adopted by people that. Or they feel are their ideological enemies. So they can't have a Punisher like that exist. They can't have him. So they're doing what they can to try to... And that's, that's straight spite, because there's no reason to do that. That is strictly of spite for people's ideological... Because the, for the people that they feel are their ideological enemies. And they've been doing stuff like that at an accelerated rate. I don't know if you you knew about this, but back in the gap, Modoc, the character, ironically appears in I think this new Ant Man movie, the recent Ant Man movie. The big, yeah, obviously, yeah. people associated with the big face. They made him look like Trump in uh in like a book. Like, yeah, I'm not even joking. <laughs> Back in like 2010, it's not even joking. They made him look like Trump. And I'm like, there was another thing DC did. They made Joker, the character Joker, basically be Trump. He was uh he was playing Trump. Like uh, in one of the black label books, like they do stuff like, and it's not oh, wow. equal. That's why it's so. I, 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 they did the one with Jordan Peterson as Red Skull. Yes, like... that, that was another uh, <laughs> Tanahiti Coates, who has no business writing comic books. He's a social commentator, commentator that has never shown that he liked comics. They bring him in, he writes Captain America and Black Panther. Like, what are y'all doing? And to your point, yeah, Hell Lobster, I guess, because they made Red Skull basically repeating verbatim points of Jordan Peterson. And I'm like, what in the world are y'all doing, man? So you make this villain be depicted or uh, by, I guess, or depicted as the villain that you think you have in real life. 
and the a lack of balance. And like I said, it'd be one thing. People, the reason why people say that it's overtly political is because, namely, that there's no balance. Once used to be balanced. When they entered into it, it was like, all right, well, this this guy's a conservative. This guy's this and that, and they would depict them in a more objective light. Whereas to now, the only thing being presented in a positive light it are modern authoritarian leftism, Dem- Democrats, and all that. So when, of course, when Obama came on, he's on the cover of Amazing Spider-Man. Trump comes along after him. He's Modoc, right? It's no balance, like right. It's no, it's no balance there. It's no balance, and 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 uh, that's why that's why people are so aggravated in it. And these guys, as the comic book industry crashes and burns, these guys keep doubling down because they haven't learned anything because they're they're not operating on like caring about what it is they're doing they're not caring about the craft all they care about or rather let's say this what's at the top of what they care about is taking it to you uh as their ideological enemy and to me from a creative standpoint you can't do your best work if that's going to be your approach you can't possibly do that no you really can't it, it, it massively gets in the way of creativity and it clouds everything and it, and look also it's just it's also foolish from a business perspective, right? You know, it's it's that old Michael Jordan statement, you know what, Republicans buy shoes too, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, how you've got at least, at least half of the country, and I would say the majority of the world leans more conservative, certainly, than they do leftist. Yeah, right? sure. Like there's more, there's more conservatives in the world than there are leftists. So even from a sort of business perspective, it's just like, why are you so aggressively trying to, I mean, I know you've got like ESG and, you know, a corporate equity index and all these things, which is actually the source of a lot of the goofiness, but it's just like, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's on multiple levels. It's really silly. It's, it's bad. It's bad from a business perspective. Mm-hmm. It's bad from a moral perspective. It's bad from a just caring about your customers. It's bad from a creative perspective. It's like, look, this, these are creative things. Right. Like the, the purpose of music or art or movies or ultimately it's to it's to entertain. Entertain is number one. That's the first thing. Right. If you watch a movie and it's not entertaining, then it's not a good movie. Right. Yeah. Like if, if you if the comic book is not entertaining, it's not a good comic. Like, like that's right. the first thing. Right. You can you can have message. You can have education. You can have even politics. You, you can have all that stuff under it. But the first thing is that it's got to be. It's got to be entertaining. But with them, they're doing it backwards. They're like, all right, let's just lead. Yep. We're just going to lead with the politics. We're going to lead with, you know, if you look, even if you even if you want to make a character, you want to make a character gay, you want to make a character a they them, whatever. Like if that's the thing you lead with, it's going to fail every time. Like being gay is not being gay is not a superpower, right? Never like, has been. They like to think of, like of it as, but that's not how it works. You leave with it's that, like they don't rob. No, and it's the same. It's the same in in the real world, right? Like I don't know. Like the gay people I know who are who are cool, I I often forget that they're gay, right? Like it's not yeah. the it's not the first. It's not like the the thing that's the constantly shown. Right? No, it's not the whole personality. It's not the whole identity. It's more like okay, cool. Like this person's like oh okay, and then as a side note. It's the yeah. same with other things. You know, you got people who just, you know, if the the most if the most interesting thing the most interesting thing about Ice if the most interesting thing about Isom was like he's black, right? Yeah. There's oh, people who if there's people who if they created that character, the whole thing, the whole USP, the whole marketing, the whole thing would be black owned business, black character. Yep, yep. Right? That would that would be the whole thing. 
it's not even it's not even it's it's just like it's like a side note and look yeah. at, and look at look at the success everyone's buying it people are supporting it cuz th- these are the same people all the people buying it these are, and then the pe- the the detractors will be the ones saying oh you know your 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 fan base or your audience is 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 racist or they're this and you're like bro they're literally in droves buying I, I get the same. I get the same thing when I people know. are like, you know, saying that my audience or my customers are, are racist. I'm like, I'm like, so for the past, so you're telling me for the past 16 plus years with everything I've done with my music and everything else, like, and my live events, you know, I, I'm, these people are, are so racist and anti-black or whatever that like they're supporting me and buying my stuff or whatever because they're like, like th- the, the the mental gymnastics that are just going on here. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? You you think someone who's a genuine, you, you think a genuine white supremacist is going to go buy going to go buy ISOM? No, no. Well, yeah, <laughs> but there's, things, but, but, yeah. there's only, but there's also only twelve of them. So who cares? Yeah, exactly. Even if they, yeah, that's, that's the thing. It's like they're not impactful. But of all the thing, the people, the races, like they're doing racism wrong, man. Like they got it all wrong, and they need to they need to get that checked out. If the thing that they they want to support is the black guy doing things, especially with myself, where it's like the first character is black, and yeah, we don't dwell on it, but it's pretty obvious. You have to be colorblind to not see it. Why would white? Yeah, that's what white. All right, being all in all serious, that's the last thing that they that they're gonna support, right? That, that that's. But you know, it, it, these guys are on autopilot, right? That's how they operate. It's like they can't believe that people that they feel are their enemies have number one, genuine support, but because that's all their talking points are filled with, it's like a script. This is why I've always said NPC is the perfect way to describe these people because they're operating on scripted notes and that's really it. Like they can't function outside of it. So even when they can't apply it because they're so used to saying, anybody that is the opposite of them is racist or misogynistic or homophobic, they're gonna say it anyway. So even if it doesn't apply, they, they can't deviate from it. So even like with both of ourselves, with us being uh, black, like they, they're like, oh, OK, well, you're still a bunch of racists, some white supporters. It's like, God, bro, you can't even make sense. You can't even try to make sense of that. It's just you're on autopilot. That's that's you need that to be true. You need that to be us. But on a serious note, like I said, of all the people, I think we're going to be the last ones that these true, actual white supremacists uh, line up to support. I don't think that makes a lot of sense. Nah, were you surprised by uh, how much success were you expecting with with ISOM one? Were you surprised by just how much it took off and how quickly? Yes, um, not. I mean, dude, I I obviously set a goal. I can't remember it was a hundred a hundred thousand thousand. Like, cause I'm looking at it like this is the first book. Cause I have to. I got a lot of groundwork, a lot of foundation to. So if I make a little bit of my money back, I'll be fine, right? Because I look at it like, you know, a lot of businesses, especially, are losing initially, at least. Um, and then they start to, you know, start to recoup fees. But I thought about it, this even in the most wildly successful way. Didn't think $3.7 million was even possible. So it took off to a degree that I was not anticipating, which speaks to the demand and speaks to the product itself. Now, definitely now that we have so many returning customers, it speaks to the product. But I'd be lying if I was like, yeah, I knew it was going to do that. I didn't. I straight up I straight up didn't. I, I wanted to see success and I was confident that we will be at least successful. Three point seven million dollars, though. No. And, you know, that like, again, putting that in perspective, that happened within the first 30, 30 hours. Like the next day is when it went 
to see uh, the million dollars. And it's like the same thing happened now. I know we're having a bunch of site issues and we would have cleared that in tw- 24 hours this time because it's just this is it is a legitimate demand for it and they like it. So you, you never know with these things. This is why you got to at least give it a shot. You know what I mean? I never wanted to be the guy that, you know, I, granted, I didn't think I was going to be able to even afford to do something like this until I was well into my 40s. But I did it now and it worked out. But, you know, that, that's how it works sometimes. You give it a shot and the audience responds. If you if you beat on your craft, you you make sure you're giving them something that's quality. That's all that you can do. And you let the market decide if that's something that they want to rock with. And that's what happened with ISOM. There's no way I would have, uh, you know, I, I did everything to put the company in success. That's my job to do. But never anticipated something like this. Never did. No doubt, man. Well, dude. Congratulations, man. Like, I, I genuinely love to see it, man. Like, it, I remember I remember watching like, I mean, both campaigns. I'm, I'm watching the watching the current one as well. But like that first one, I was just like, what is going? I was like, this is I was like, this is crazy. I was like refreshing the page like, what? Yeah. what, what? <laughs> I was like, what, what is, what is this? What is this? Yeah. It was like, it, it was like the first time I discovered Bitcoin in a bull market. And I was just like, what was this yeah. thing? Like, what? <laughs> what the, oh, trust me. I'm right there with you on that. Man. You're, like, you're, you're re- refreshing and the numbers just going up. I'm like, going this up, is, you're like, oh my God. I don't, what? And they try to process like what all is happening. Like it's a million dollars. What in the world? Like that was all that was going, and I, I was I was in shock, bro. Like I was in yeah. shock, phone blowing up. Congratulations, and you know that's a that's a testament also to to this. Folks like yourself are talking about it. You know, a lot of creators in our in our camp are talking about it, and you know that's what it's about. And, and it's showing that there are people in our little corner of the internet that have a have talent and are able to create something that people want and and they have a demand for. It. And that's to me what it's about. That, that, that's what it's about. That's what I would love for more of us like-minded people to give it a shot, especially in the entertainment stuff. The fact that there's, uh, you know, we're starting to see a little small kind of slither of uh, people in the hip hop scene being alternative to that. I think that's a little cool, but there should be way more people in the entertainment space that just say, I'll just do it myself. I'll just do it myself. Let me at least give it a shot. So uh, again, I'm blessed to be in the situation. I'm, I'm thankful to be in the situation. I appreciate you. I appreciate everybody that um you know went out there and spoke about it with their audiences um that's what that's what helped it do what it what it did and um word of mouth has been really that's been our marketing plan is like you know we rely on the customers we rely on their people's enthusiasm and it seemed to work out for us no doubt bro 100 percent. right after this uh call i'm gonna go I'm, i see that the website is working for me now so i tried to buy <laughs> yeah. it on i tried to buy it on day one but I, yeah I, I it was, was nuts we're, we're getting better <laughs> we're getting better we're getting better so yeah that's for I'll sure. Buy some some Cloudflare, Cloudflare. Yeah, stuff. yeah, awesome, yeah, bro. Yeah. We're getting better. Uh, where do people where do people check you out, and where do people check out the comic? Uh, Ripperverse.com. I'm on EricDJuly.com uh, as well, and you can see that as my handle on all different platforms. But really, the the where we're trying to funnel the traffic to as we work out all of our technical problems, networking problems, all that. Uh, Ripperverse.com is where you're going to want to be. You can get also caught up on the first. You missed out on the first book. That's fine. You can still get the first book. We got plenty of books this go around, so you will be able to get the cover of this that you want. So, yeah, Ripperverse.com um, is where you can uh, find out about the campaign, learn more about it, pick it up in the campaign store. And, uh, yeah, we start fulfillment on the 31st of next month. It is a pre-order campaign after all, so fulfillment will start on the 31st of next month, and we'll start getting those items out to you all. That's awesome. 
as I've said multiple times, and I'm going to hammer this message home one more time on this podcast, everybody listening, you need to understand that if you do not support creators who are doing things that you like, then eventually they can no longer continue to create. So for all the people who are feeling some type of way about the goofiness that's going on, about the rise of wokeness, about people coming after your kids, about all that, any person who is creative, anyone who's an entrepreneur, any business who is in line with your values and who is putting out stuff that you like and who's representing what you like, it is important to support them, right? Not everybody's a grifter. Stop with this calling everyone a grifter nonsense. People are out there doing good work. And if you want them to continue doing it, you you have to support it. So I'm going to go by Eric's comic right now, just like I bought the first one. I'd love for you you listening to do the same. Go check out ripperverse.com. My man, Eric July, appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you, brother. And thank you for having me again.